And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com, presented as always by our partners at the Holy Grail. Super Bowl Sunday. You're not having a gathering at your abode. Why not head down to the Grail? Enjoy the banks. Supposed to be a nice day and uh, get you some good food, have a few beverages, and uh, watch the Kelsey brothers in the Bearcat Bowl. That's what we've deemed it here. It's not the Kelsey Bowl, as everyone else has called it. We're, we're calling it the Bearcat Bowl. I'm sure we'll get to that here in a little bit, but let's get right to it. Got Dave Simone and special guest tonight, University of Cincinnati Athletic Director John Cunningham, and we will uh, we will get this show on the road. There we go. Okay, I, I was sorry, Aaron. There we Let go. the man produce. <laughs> he was typing, so I was trying to help him out. <laughs> And then right as I was trying to help him out, he, he got back over. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How's everything going? Hanging going. in there. Yeah. It's, hang- yeah, it's, yeah, going. it's, it's yeah. going in there. It's hanging in there. Uh, let's, uh, let's start with uh, the, the Bearcat Bowl. It, it, something like this, and I'm sure, you know, everybody, most everybody in town wanted to see the Bengals. But for the University of Cincinnati – to have two guys that have been such great ambassadors and have become such stars uh, through their podcast this year, how much has that generated? Do you think uh, it just added interest for for the university to have them? They're wearing UC gear. They're they're talking Bearcats. They their podcast this week. They've got their dad in a double sided Cincinnati jersey with Travis on the front and Jason on the back and talking about their time at Cincinnati. What what kind of interest and, and what kind of uh, effect have you guys felt from these two guys being such champions for UC? And Brian Cook as well. Don't want to forget Brian. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, if you're going to be on a national stage like this, you want your very best to represent you. And I think we have that with, with Travis and Jason. And it's, you know, the yin and yang of those two. Um, outside of maybe the Manning brothers, they, they're kind of yeah. right there with them in terms of, uh, you know, their ability to, to handle media and, and have some personality, but doing it in a really unique, fun way. Um, and I haven't heard all of their podcasts, but you know, the clips I've heard have been just just great. And uh, uh, like I said, they, they, they're very different personalities. Those that have been around the program kind of understand that. I think that that's what makes them kind of enjoyable too. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, the other piece is Travis is very clear – you know, when you when you talk about everything that he's accomplished in, in first ballot Hall of Famer, but Jason's a first ballot Hall of Famer as well. I, I mean, agree. when you're talking, I mean, what five five Pro Bowls, six Pro Bowls, whatever it is, I, I may be off, but I mean, that's 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 first ballot Hall of Fame type type level. And so, um, to have both those guys come out of our program, uh, be in the league for this long, and represent us this way, and and um, you know, just continue to talk. You know, they're not they're not forgetting about the Bearcats either. They always talk about it and they, they remember their time here and, and what we meant to them and, and obviously um, it's reciprocated from our, our standpoint. I think you're talking and I don't know that this is even really Dave, you're more of the NFL historian than me. Jason's a top five center of all time. Is that safe to say, Dave? Oh I right mean, up there. He's yeah, I mean he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm sure there's not a ton of centers in the Hall of Fame. I mean he's top five, top ten, something like that. I would guess. I mean he's been All Pro several times, Pro Bowl 
several times. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the best that's ever played the position. He's, you know, double-digit years in the league. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's as good as, as we've seen uh, in the last 20, 25 years, that's for sure. And then Travis is going to be a top two tight end and probably not two. So yeah, uh, it's and yeah. and then you had you know, Sauce All Pro this year. Your, your yeah. football program produced as uh, as many pros, uh, All Pros as everybody, but what Alabama I think was the only one that had more first team All Pros than Cincinnati. It's it's been a wild ride, like to watch the NFL now. You see the ascension of Derek Forrest and and Kobe Bryant had a great year, and Chris Moore still hanging around in the league. And you look around, and it's almost every NFL game has a Bearcat presence and that's just speaks to where the, the program has risen to. There, there's no question. It, it's going to be fun to watch as we continue to go too, and, and um, get to see these guys kind of come into their own and, and be in more Super Bowls and, and do special things. So i um, excited about the game on, on Sunday and it's, it's a bit of a, a soft landing for not having the Bengals in the game for, for Cincinnati fans for sure. You guys had somebody there at, at Media Day, right? Had, had yeah, Zach. Boots Zach, on the ground. Yeah, Zach Stipe went 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 down there, and um, I think appropriately so, and and was was able to kind of be around the guys, and and so I haven't I haven't downloaded completely with him on how it went, but um, I'm I'm glad we had them out there. Yeah, Dave, what do you got? Uh, let's start with what happened last last week with the announcement of the TQL partnership and what that means for UC and, and moving forward. Um, you guys obviously had the press conference and talked about a lot of it. I'm not going to ask you, you know, the, the details of the, you know, amount or anything like that. I'm sure you guys will get that out in due time. Um, one thing that I did notice in the press release talked about uh, their specific investment in whatever you want to call it, the indoor practice facility, the performance center. Can you elaborate on kind of what that piece of it involves? I know you guys talked a lot about, inside nipper and stuff like that but what about that element of it can you can you kind of give us some details on well yeah i mean to to the credit of tql um you know they they wanted to be a partner with us in a very strategic way and and part of that was um you know what are the needs of uc right now and so we said our needs are are this this building and um it's a building that's going to impact all of our student athletes for years to come. It's going to be a centerpiece of our move into the Big 12. And so, um, you know, as we as we talked about that, then it was kind of a natural fit for those resources that we would get over over the, the length of the contract to go toward um, our efforts to fundraise for that facility. So, uh, not, you know, nothing specific other than they just, as a great partner will, they'll say, you know, how can we help you be better and the way they could do that right now is with um, with a gift to that facility. Does that? I know, you know, every, you know, the Bengals have done it. You guys are now doing it. You know, try to name a lot of things. Does that include naming rights, or is that something that you guys are maybe looking to another partner with for the facility? And then my other one was: there's been a lot of talk for years now about baseball. So just kind of like the updates on this, any update on movement for the stadium naming rights for that as well but also like you know is the is naming rights for the facility something that's in the works as well yeah they are um you know we we are still working on the naming rights 
piece to that and uh, we'll have we'll have more information uh soon on on that so um that'll be another another great day for us um but um you know certainly on the on the baseball side um to be honest we have not really even presented that uh at, at this point we we just have had a number of different things going on and, and um certainly the the hundred plus million dollar performance center is, is was right at the top of the list um but i will say on the baseball investment side, new video board going in this week, um, which will be awesome for that program. And then we we advanced. Um, we we are scheduled to put new baseball turf in, I think, in three years. Um, but we advanced that, so we're going to do it right after the end of this season. We'll we'll put brand new turf in, and and um, that'll look great. That'll be important. And then on top of that, um, we're doing a we brought in a, a, a architectural firm to do a evaluation of what we need to do to make that facility big 12 ready. And uh, for coach Guggins and that team, that, that probably means a pitching lab, um, some more indoor hitting space, um, some work on the locker room and maybe even uh, some low seating or something like that, that, uh, that we could bring some fans out and, and have them kind of join the fun out there. So all those things are in the work and works and, and we know we've got some growth to do on the baseball side. There's no doubt about that. Keep going, Dave. You're on a roll. Oh, okay. Well, let's, <laughs> let's stay with capital improvements and, and facilities and let's just get to the, the indoor practice facility. What can you tell us about timeline as far as where you guys are in the timeline, breaking ground, renderings, release to the public, just, you know, Coach Satterfield's involvement now that he's on board. What is, how has that changed? What, if at all, what you guys had been working on? And then now, like, what his ideas of what he'd like to see in, in the football specific elements of it? Yeah. So, uh, timing wise, bubble comes down here in the next week or two, and um, excavation starts. The, the, the project itself has a lot of excavation work that needs to be done just because of where it's situated. Um, and so that that's going to take some time and, and that's going to start here soon. Um, so I guess that that you could say that's the official groundbreaking. Um, you know, obviously, then steel goes in and all those things happen and, and we'll celebrate that when that happens as well. But we're starting. The project is going. Um, you know, we, we've talked about a year build for the indoor portion, another six months on top of that for the performance center. Um, so we'll, we'll try to stick with that that timeline. Um, and then certainly when the new football staff came in, um, you know, it was something that we, we shared with them very early on. Um, it, you know, the one thing about these performance centers is, is, you know, they're, they're, I, w I don't want to say they're cookie cutter cause it's going to be spectacular and we're going to make it our own, but in terms of what's in the space, it's, it's very consistent across. Right. The so, um, we, we kind of had, you know, the, the space of it. Uh, built out close to 100,000 square feet, 90,000 square feet plus. And um, then it's sort of just what fits in that box. And there were certainly some things that Coach Satterfield uh, had emphasis on. He's He's got a bigger recruiting staff, for example. So we had to figure out a place to kind of yeah, hold our recruiting staff that, that's now tripled from, from what we had previously. So, um, you know, that, that just meant that we had to kind of shift some things around and there are some things in the weight room that are different uh, based on kind of the way that um, 
that our new strength conditioning coach Nico kind of you know wanted it and so again it's sort of taking a a space that you have and just rearranging some things within that space but but no no large scale changes to anything um in terms of the new staff is the is this kind of is there i guess two parts is it is the overall look and feel going to be kind of a one-off to campus or is it kind of going to fit in with anything that the, the way a lot of the buildings on campus are designed and are there any kind of cool features that you think, you know, fans would, would be like, Oh, that's pretty cool that, that they're going to have that. Is there any of those that you're allowed to kind of uh, give us? I don't know that I'm, I'm allowed to give you, but, but remember this is an architectural school and it takes pride <laughs> in it. So, um, you know, that there are going to be some elements that will be different, that will look different. The fact that we're on the corner, um, you know, of, of campus, when you come in that, that plays into the design as well. We're not, we're not just going to have a, um, you know, a barn go up there. Um, it's going to, it's going to look nice. It's going to be, it's going to be spectacular when it's done, to be honest with you. And I'm, I'm excited, obviously, um, to share what, where, where we end up. Um, but, um, that, that will come in due time and, and we'll sure. get those out. Yeah. Do we, do we have a time window on when we might see renderings, when we might see visual uh, proof or not proof, but uh, visual pleasure and what it might look like? You know, I, I, I would tell you if I, if, if I knew a date for sure, um, I, I don't know exactly how they, they want to roll this out um, in, in terms of, you know, when the, when the tweaks are all done, if they want to roll it out at that point, or if they, if they feel like they can roll it out a little bit before all those tweaks are done. But, um, um, you know, we, we, we got this thing going quickly. Uh, and so it was a, a project that was, um, fundraising was underway, design was underway and construction, uh, timeline was underway kind of all at the same time. And, and that's how we, we felt like we needed to do this so that we could get it up and, and ready to roll as quickly into our big 12 stint as possible. So uh, that has led to, um, you know, a design that hasn't been released yet, but um, you know, we're working on it all the time. I've seen a couple different, uh, different looks at it. And, and so when it's, when it's ready to, to go public, we certainly will, we'll celebrate that too. You can show us here. Nobody's watching. It's fine. <laughs> I've heard that. Guys, guys, don't tell anybody. Um, how, how much of a challenge has rising construction costs, you know the, the everything that's going on in the building market. I know it, it, things have kind of skyrocketed, skyrocketed from when you initially announced this. How much of a challenge has that been, kind of navigating those waters? Yeah, it, I mean it's a challenge. It, you know anybody that's involved in construction or or involved in any building project right now um, can speak to it. And so it's it's a challenge. It's it's not unique to us in any way. Um, yeah. I was talking to some ADs recently about projects that they're working on and everybody's going through the same thing. So um, I, I give a lot of credit to the, the forethought of our, our architects and designers on campus who, who quickly ordered some of the, the key, the key pieces to the building um, so that we could make sure that we lock those in um, and we don't run into any, any um, delays with, with uh, some of the, those key pieces. So that was really important. It was explained to me um, how that was done and why, why it was done in the time that it was done. So, um, you know, I'm not a construction expert. So um, as we go through this, I'm, I'm learning as well, but certainly every single um, 
item seems to be seems to be a little bit more expensive than it, than it was two years ago. How about a, a quick shift in, in basketball locker room upgrade? Can can you give us any details on that? I know that just from being down there near the media room, it looks like everything has kind of gotten started and and the process is underway. Yeah, that that one's going. Um, and you know that was when talking to Wes and Michelle uh, before the season and kind of saying, hey, we we can wait until March to start it. Um, or, you know, in, or we can try to start it in the season so that we know that it's ready to go uh, for next season. And both of them, without hesitation, said, let's start it in the season. So they've moved out of their locker space. So they're actually in a different locker room right now. Um, and, uh, you know, they they were that excited to get the thing going and get it started. So um, it's underway. Obviously, it's a it's a rehab of the of the locker room. But really, it's it's a movement out into what was the arena club. Uh, to build out a lounge space that mirrors each other for, for uh, men's basketball and women's basketball. They spend so much time, those student athletes, in fifth third um, and really haven't had it, any place to just sit down and relax and uh, hang out in between, in between maybe uh, getting some, some training uh, work done, some treatment done in practice or film and practice. Now they have a space um, to relax, do some homework, hang out, build some camaraderie and uh, it's certainly what, what everybody around the country has. So um, we're going to, we're going to have something really special when it's done. It's our window on when that'll be complete yet. I mean, we're, we're gunning for um, having it done before the season starts next year. So uh, we're, we're, you know, I I think, I think everything's going well so far. So um, that's the hope that it's, it's ready to roll for next year. You're keeping total or busy. Uh, we really are. Yeah. <laughs> Fun to watch. And, and they are, you know, they, they all like those projects. They're, they're, you know, everybody enjoys working on them. They're energized by them. Um, but they, they all have specific challenges to them at the same time. So um, we're, we certainly are. So you guys are a little under five months from July 1st, which is official entrance into the big 12 what are kind of some of your priorities to get done from now until then as a department that you feel is important that on that, on that first day, you're truly, as you've been, as we've been saying, you know, day one ready. You know, um, hiring some, some positions. So, you know, we've, we've had some out there that, that um, we knew we had to build out. So I've talked a lot about our mental health um, role that Lanisha Nickel took over and she has a chance to hire um, two additional uh, people to help her. One one is currently in the works um, to be hired soon. Um, and then on the nutrition side, you know, we brought in Dylan Freeze from Ohio State um, and kind of the same thing. He has an opportunity now to build out a team and really focus in there, um, especially as we build a, a brand new nutrition center. Um, there's There's uniqueness to that, and you really have to have some dietary support and so um, he's going to have that now. Um, and so we're excited to get those two things going. Those, those are keys to us uh, moving into the Big 12. Um, and then the other, the other thing that we're really um, excited about is that we, we've been building out our ESPN Plus crew. You know, and that it is you, something that's a little bit forgotten about, I think, just in terms of as you go into the Big 12, the expectation is that um, your ESPN Plus broadcasts are going to be linear ready, meaning they're going to be, really well done multi-camera um you know 
really, really high, high level productions. And so we were able to, to hire somebody um, that, that we're getting from ESPN that will come in and, and has been working at ESPN for 20 years. He's, he's going to be an unbelievable asset um, to our department. And he's going to be able to come in and, and see what we're doing and make it the best in the Big 12. I really believe that we hired the best executive producer um, in the Big 12. So uh, I'm excited about that. It's going to be a lot better than the two-lane game was. I was, going to, I was going to say, can you give them some pointers? Yeah, yeah. I think they were having some internet issues. But that's the type of thing you can't have at, at the <laughs> level. You've got to – you know, if you're going to be on ESPN Plus for the Big 12, it's going to be, like I said, linear ready, meaning that they could – on, on, you know, if they choose, move it at any time to ESPN2 or even ESPN. Um, and if they do that, then we get an additional check um, coming back from ESPN. So that there's a, there's a revenue piece to it, too, if we can get to a point where we can produce high-level um, uh, productions and we can we well, get some revenue. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many people – I mean, the diehards might know, but I don't know how many people truly know, like, how much – the athletic department and CCM have kind of been at the forefront of this whole like in-house studio production thing where I believe even last year ESPN got to a point where you guys were running it so well that they weren't even sending crews from the production standpoint and you guys were producing the games yourselves and just basically for lack of a better term uploading it to ESPN plus yeah that, that's exactly that's exactly right. I'm glad you mentioned CCM because it is a, a unique partnership with them. Um, they've really, they, they've been great. That whole crew over there uh, working with us. And it's, you know, it, it becomes an educational piece for us. We're, we're developing talent through CCM. Um, we're, they're able to have their students work directly on projects that they can turn around and say, I've actually put a game on ESPN two or ESPN plus. Um, and so it's going to be a bit of a pipeline going forward uh, for CCM, which is which is really neat too. So yeah, I would say cutting edge, um, and we're going to continue to grow it and expand it. And I, I really believe we'll be the best in the Big Twelve in terms of our our production on ESPN Plus. I wanted to ask you about the football schedule that was just released, and just what is your involvement in that? Like, do you say things that you want, don't want to to Commissioner Yormark or whoever is kind of like building that out, and then just kind of your overall reaction to to the first, you know, first Big Twelve football schedule. Yeah, you know, they they did they do ask if you know there's any request or two that you might have that they could work in possibly, um, but there's a lot of rules already built into their algorithms. I guess I mean it's all it it's it's really complicated, right? So it it all goes into a a computer and, and, you know, they're, they're constantly tweaking it and working on it and, and getting it right. So it's much, probably much more complicated than people think and much more difficult to get it all to align and meet all the different uh, rules that you set out, like not having more than two road games in a row and all those types of things. So um, those are all in there, but they do ask, you know, maybe, you know, we, we, we told them that we, we wanted a game in October for homecoming, for example, right. We didn't want to get blocked out of that. Um, and so that was important to us. So th those types of things pop up. Um, but for the most part, you know, we're, we're the newbies. We didn't have a lot of a, a lot to say. We're, we're excited about the any schedule, I think, that was going to come our way. But obviously, um, to have Oklahoma come in uh, to start the schedule was awesome. To have five home games out of the gate was really, really 
um, important and, and uh, big for us. So we have seven home games total with five being Big 12 home games. Um, and then, you know, we got Iowa State and Baylor. This, Zach doing his homework the other day. It's the first time um, we've ever played Iowa State or Baylor. So that's kind of a neat little nugget. And then on the Oklahoma piece, the other the other thing Zach mentioned, and he's right, is there's only been 14 teams that have been in the college football playoff, and Oklahoma and Cincinnati are two of those 14. So that matchup right there is is uh, is kind of special just in that sense. Say hi to Pickle, John. That's Pickle. <laughs> from a, she's from uh, a, she's our third the third member of this show. Yeah. yeah. From, a, from a, <laughs> a bigger scheduling kind of philosophy. How how much are you guys or are you trying to work your schedules now with the Big Twelve and the nine? Well, we'll see. What I mean, I'm assuming nine. Who knows when Texas and Oklahoma leave? But like to to try to get seven home games as often as possible. I know that's something that's happened every so often, but it, it's a little you know it was a little bit harder before. Is that something that you guys consciously try to do, or is it just? how how things shake out it's 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 a little bit of how sh- things shake out especially this year um obviously we had we had two home games in our non-conference already so to get five that's you know that that gets you to your seven um it may or may not happen going forward we'll you know next year we'll have four home big 12 games uh, but we know we'll be at six we'll always be at six we'll make sure that on those years that we have four big 12 home games that we'll we'll have two home games uh, to go along with that to to get to six um, so um, I think every so often it will it will pop up that we'll have seven games, but but um, you know we're not we don't count on that. Something I, I don't think we've uh, the dogs are excited too. Uh, they saw pickle walking across the screen. Um, <laughs> the the West Miller extension. I don't know that we we've, we've had a chance to talk to you about that yet. Just the importance of getting something like that done. The commitment when you look at the buyout on both sides. The commitment that both sides are are making to each other, and uh, how much does that speak to, and how much do maybe people not know, kind of the level of respect that Wes has around the country from maybe a lot of other people in your job. You know, everybody talks about this that short list that sits in your desk. Yeah, I, he's on a lot of those. Well, yeah, thank you. I, I agree with that, and um, I've been told that by. Uh, other ads for sure but also inside sources that would that would be able to share that information with me um that have had conversations about about him and just how 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 well he's respected in our industry obviously the the youngest head or i think the, the youngest head coach in the country to have that many wins i guess below 40 and now he's turned 40 um whatever that stat is so he had that combination this is why i talked about when we hired him he had that combination of being a, a proven winner in a in a builder of a program um as well as still being young. So 10 years of head coaching experience and, and still having that, that youthful nature that I think you need these days to handle all the things that are coming at you um, and the energy that he brings. So, uh, you know, it was exactly what you said. It was a commitment on both sides, and that's what we were looking for. He wanted to be here. We wanted to be here. Um, there, I have no doubt in my mind he's the right fit for us. Um, and given the resources that he needs, um, he's going to get this thing done. And so we've got to lock arms with him and, and help him get there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just excited about the direction of that program. And, um, you know, I, I, I really respect Wes's effort 
and you're going to see it on the recruiting side of things. You already have, um, but you're going to see it even more coming down the road. He's just he is nonstop um, recruiting the best talent in the country, and, and he wants to win a national championship. So um, let, let's help him get it done. Anything else, Dave, before uh, we let I got, John go? I got one, one more quick one. Just We're about three months into since he reigns, and we all know how vital, you know, name, image, and likeness has become just your assessment of that program and, and fans' involvement and corporate involvement and just kind of what you think that's done so far in, I think it was launched sometime in November. So I know it's still very young, but just kind of where you see things with that right now. I think there's still a lot of education left to be done, um, and, and that's on us to, to continue to get out there as much as possible. Um, I know we've, we've talked to Cincy Reigns about um, some upcoming kind of uh, fireside chat type things that, that they're working on and, and um, some programming that they're working on. So uh, we've got to continue to get out there. I've got to continue to get out there and talk about it. We certainly are uh, behind the scenes having conversations with, with individual donors on a weekly basis. And, and um, you know, we, we're using, um, you know, our resources to try to connect our donors to Cincy Reigns. And just, again, just an education. Uh, you know, we're not we're, we're not the ones asking uh, for the resources. We're asking them to contact um, Cincy Reigns and, um, and and make sure that they're they're understanding what that's about and why it's so important. Um, the battle right now um, is being fought in the world of NIL. And, and so uh, we just need our fan base to to understand it, believe in it, trust us. You know, we've got to have. We've got to understand that we've got to make NIL fit for Cincinnati, which I think we are. Um, and that's going to be important too. We're going to do it the right way. Um, and, and, uh, so I, I hope that, that people understand the importance of it and, and get behind it. If they have questions, they can always reach out, um, to myself and I can direct them or, uh, they can reach out directly to Greg Harrell, who's, who works for us through a company called Altius and, um, so we, we certainly, there, there's things you can do to, to learn more about it and find out ways you can help, but we need everybody. That's, that's how we're going to be successful is to uh, really attack the NIL space um, and grow it. And reach out to Brian Fox directly. He's not very busy, so he's got time for everybody to contact him directly. They do, and I, <laughs> but I, I know you're saying that sarcastically. He's got a lot of things going on, but I will say this. They've got a great website. And yeah. a website that you can learn a lot by just going to that website and checking it out. And um, again, you talk about uh, doing it the right way, building it out the right way. That's what that's what Cincy Reigns has done. And, and uh, we can use help from everybody. Um, and, and that's that's how Cincinnati is going to be successful in that in that world. Me being sarcastic, John? No, <laughs> it's not my style at all. It's not my style at all. <laughs> we appreciate it man we uh we, we love having you check in every couple months and letting us know where things stand with the athletic department i know the fan base loves it and uh and everybody looks forward to it when you can take a little bit of time and uh and, and chat with us anytime guys I, I appreciate what you guys do and the community of of bearcat uh supporters and the passionate community that you form so i just i just got done reading a book um it's called the book of joy um, and it talks about the importance of community and I was reading it and I was getting on this podcast. I thought, well, I'm getting on a, a podcast of, of people that have a passion about something that's really, really special. So, um, keep it going guys. And, and Chad, as always, you know, we're, we're thinking about you and your family, um, at the center of everything that we do, you know, so 
Uh, Much appreciated as always. I, 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 the support has been unbelievable. And I know Kelly seeing Wes mention her a couple times in press conferences and the support that she's gotten from, from cheer and dance and the Bearcat and, and all of that stuff has been, uh, has been a big help in getting us through the past six weeks and six years and whatever the heck it's been. But uh, it's been amazing. And I, I thank you for checking in on me from time to time and, it, uh, it definitely means a lot to us. So thank you very much. All right, guys. Take care. Appreciate thank you, John. John. Thank you. John yep. Cunningham, athletic director, University of Cincinnati. Always great to get him to check in. And and it's going to be, we're going to have a star-studded February, Dave. John Cunningham tonight, we're working on a couple things. Oh, okay. News news to me. Well, well, you know, we're headed towards spring football. I mean, so. we, got, we do have a, we do have a, Possible pretty big guest later on tonight as well. Later, yeah, later on. He's I think he's golfing right now, right? Well, he's he's doing something. Some illegal in a few states, but you know. I don't want to know. No, I don't want to know. I don't. All right, I gotta. I'm gonna. I'm gonna open the floor to you. I've got to go get the dogs to shut up for a minute. But uh, <laughs> your, we had a, a podcast. We had the the part of the punctuation last night. We had a nightcap afterwards. Your takes on what we saw, unfortunately, play out last night. Oh in, man, uh, New Orleans. I mean, there are two things that I've think about one is obviously i feel terrible for rob fantasy and it doesn't seem like vic's injury is nearly as severe but i still feel bad for him he's been playing at a very high level and you lose you know truly your 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 may i'm not going to say only but your your very influential post presence offensively and defensively on the road you kind of like withstand that for a little while and then it goes away and you end up losing a close a close game so those injuries obviously affect the outcome of the game especially vix like you can't lose one of your top three guys for i mean what would you say 70% of the game, 75%. He played he played 7 minutes. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's I didn't know the exact number, but it was about half of the first half. You know. Over so of course half. that is going to affect the outcome. But there is a number that is stuck in my head that I just cannot get around and that's 2.92. Do you know what that is? Uh Tulane points per possession in the final five minutes in overtime. <laughs> well, it's, it's points. It's not points per possession. It's points per minute in the second half and overtime. So, and I know Vic and Rob have a them not playing have a direct correlation to that. At the same time, I'm like, that is so atrocious that in 25 minutes you give up 70 something points. I'm just kind of at a loss from that angle of things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a worse. What happened was absolutely worst case scenario 
because of the team they were playing and how they play and what the guys provided that they lost. Um, Tulane is one of the best teams in the country from two. And the reason that they're one of the best teams in the country, I think all of their perimeter players shoot over 50% from two, which is just absurd for small guards. Like right. they, they are just so good at playing downhill off the bounce, making you commit to a way to stop them. And then they pass it really, really well also. So like, I was explaining it a little bit on the board tonight or to, earlier today. So when, when Vic goes out and you don't have Rob, there's really not anybody on the team that's going to be able to stay in front of Jalen Cook. No. So you have somebody shaded the the wing on the strong side or the wing on the side that he's he's working towards. You have somebody shaded to try to discourage him from getting, you know, straight line downhill. And then what they were doing is as soon as that guy would take a step, they were back cutting. And it's pick your poison. Like they're so good at both of those things that it's very hard to, to keep them from what they want to do. If you have no rim protection and you don't have a guard that can keep Jalen cook, at least somewhat bottled up. I mean, like, you, I, like, I mean, I, should you then not kind of play like a little bit more of a, a sagging, not as none because they don't really play, they don't play zones. I'm not going to say zone, but like, do you then not? I wouldn't. I deny wouldn't, the wing so hard. It they weren't denying the wing. That's why the wing was getting backdoor cuts. Is because the the guy guarding the wing was sagging. Well, that shouldn't be keep, possible. If you're sagging, you shouldn't be able to back cut someone. Well, you're not committing all the way. And if you look, those back cuts were in very tight windows. Like all they're waiting for is you're shading in his direction. And then as soon as you take one step to commit, they back cut and they throw the pass when you're on the way. I guess. Like it's not I a mean, double situation. It's 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 designed to kind of quote unquote intimidate him from coming downhill because there's the there's supposed to be the concern of a second defender either stepping in to take a charge or but they just they were ready for it. And I Maybe there should have been something else that they were ready to do. But guess what, Dave? You know what you don't do in practice? You don't say, okay, guys, we're going to work on what happens when we don't have Vic and Rob. Right, but they didn't have him for the majority of the game. And I, I just, like, he gave up almost three points a minute. That's nearly impossible. Yeah, they were getting a basket almost every trip down the floor. <laughs> and they were getting to the line. Like, that's... It's just a bad, like, I, I think what we learned last night, Dave, was how much this group and Wes Miller had smoke and mirrors their way into playing pretty elite defense. Since December 1st, Ken Palm had them 15th in the country in defense, in adjusted defensive efficiency. And that's how important Vic is to this back line of this defense because they don't have a center if they don't have Vic. Rob and Odie, or, or Odie and, and excuse me, Odie and, and Kalu are forwards. They're not a center. Like they, no. they play center in today's style of basketball. 
But when it comes to defense, neither of those guys is capable of being a five. And the other problem with Tulane is because of uh, Cross, they pull your big out. And they get him away from the rim. And now you don't really have anybody back there. At least with Vic, he's got the mobility to kind of play halfway where he can still recover. And at least, I mean, you saw it in the first half. They only had 28 points in the first right. half. And and whatever they figured out at halftime to put Cincinnati on skates, yeah, they I mean, put them they, on skates. They turned the ball over, I want to say six times it felt like in the first, I don't know, I'll just be, I'll just say 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. And then they turned it over, I think, six times the whole the rest, rest of the way. Rest of the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, I get totally understand that like your defense is going to get a lot worse if you're only post presence, only rim protector. And then one, probably your best by on far, ball, your best on ball defender. defender, you know, even, but he also is a, is a sub. So it's not like he's out there locking up the, the best player on, you know, the best offensive threat on the other team for 30 minutes. Um, but that was just a, a hard thing to see happen for such a long stretch. I mean, I understand teams get hot. I, I know at one point they made 10 out of 12 or something, but it was like for to have that happen for, for 25 minutes was, Oh yeah. That was a hard one for me to sit there and go like, we got no, no answers. Like there's nothing else to, to even, cause I mean, two and a half minutes left in the game, you're up seven. So all of yeah. those things, on one on one side of it, and then two and a half minutes to go, you're still up seven. And yes, some shots seem to go in and out, but you get five shots in the last in that segment, all threes, you miss them all, and you let them come back and, and tie you. And so it, you know, there's a lot a lot, you know, it's it's I don't want to say talking out of two sides of of your mouth collectively, not yours or mine or whatever, but like you still were in a position to win the game, all those things withstanding yeah. and, and couldn't get it done. And whether it was offensively, defensively, like when they waved off the tip uh, with 10 seconds left, I was kind of confused why we didn't call a timeout to set. I mean, I know you had a timeout theoretically, while they were reviewing the play, but I believe we had at least one, maybe two timeouts. Yeah. I um, mean, but they had a timeout, Dave, like they, they right. were over with West. Like you don't need to call a second timeout to go do what you just did. Well, what they did was, I don't know what that was. That was, that's Dave. That's what Dave <laughs> does. Dave takes step back jumpers. Like that's, that's his, like this, I, I was thinking about this. But you didn't need today. a timeout. You didn't need a timeout for that. And I, this is what when you talk about like this this team's inability or just lack of having a guard that can play downhill. What's Dave's most effective move? Yeah, going away from the basket. What is what is Lander's most effective move? Standing still and shooting. Well, and the pump fake that that yeah. is uh, akin to that, or, or that he plays off of that. Um, in order for Lander's to do that pump fake. It's catch and shoot because he needs a dribble right after he pump fakes to be able to relocate or, or but he but he very rarely does he ever pump fake a closeout 
and then straight line drive no, the rim. He goes sideways and takes a jump. Right. You're just too fast. Like the last... They're just not downhill players. No, I'm not and, even and... saying that. It was just, it felt chaotic in that stretch once they went up seven, that it was like, yeah. we don't know how to close this out. We don't know how to. Because they don't have guys that play like that's why you've recruited Jizzle James and Davion Thomas. That's why. <laughs> but at, at what point do you have to be able to figure out a way? Even if it's just get somebody to the line, get, just get fouled. They're in the bonus. Like just get fouled. I, I, but you have to have somebody that plays downhill to get fouled, Dave. Anybody How's... can draw. Anybody can drive to the basket and draw a foul. Any, just anybody. You can go out there and get past Jalen Clark off. Well, the not bounce. me, but Micah could. I'm sure Dave could get a foul drawn. He could get into the lane, pump fake, get Why somebody. Why does he never do it then? It's not what he's good at. But in that, certain, in that situation, in that situation, when you got to get a bucket, you got to be able to do something other than the only thing you do. It's then you're then then we just the have a team. We have a team full of one-dimensional players that yes. basically has to blow out weaker competition, or they have no chance of winning. Kind of. Okay, well, that's not the position that they should that, that this roster should be in. That they can't generate one possession to get to the line or to get a bucket without a step back three. Uh, you're five, then you're watching a different team than me. Then you're watching a different team than me. They, they are they are I so believe you, last in the conference in free throw percentage. You're saying but, because but, they're not good at it. But you're telling me that like I can't that that's not a valid critique. It's a valid critique, but. I don't know if, if you're not good at something, I'm not going to expect you to be good at it. To be able to do it, just not upon being good at something is not being a good three point shooter, but keep shooting threes. Not so, not being it, not having so we have a roster full of high major division. We have a roster full of high major division one athletes that all of them cannot figure out a way to get to the line in crunch they, time. They haven't done that all season. Well, then that's, that's an issue that's way bigger than anything we're talking about in just a, a specific game. So why do you think they went out and recruited two guys that play? I don't care about that. I'm talking about the two-lane game. I, I, well, I'm telling you, and the, the answer I'm telling you, you don't accept. because No, you you're right. Believe, I don't. Because you believe the guys you believe in asking guys to do something they are unable – they are not – they have not proven to be capable. Chad, I'm not asking – you're making it sound like I'm asking them to do something that they've never done before and couldn't possibly do in a million years. They do it, what, once, twice a game? You've got to be, whether it's on West or a player, in a crunch time situation, you've got to be able to figure something out other than let's pass the ball around and jack a three. Well, Landers had two wide open threes. I don't, right, and they don't, but that's shooting 40, that's what happens when you shoot 40-something threes. He's shooting 50% from three in conference play. Right, and he didn't make the he didn't make the one that okay. they needed. What's to, make. to say that a guy gets downhill, doesn't get a foul called, and misses? They were zero for four from two in overtime. They're bad at twos. They're bad at playing downhill and getting to the rim. They're, it's not a strength of this team. It's not something that they have done at any point this year. I realize that. But now you now but now you want them to do that. When it's not what they're, it's not what they have. They have shown. Then they're, they and are. they shouldn't be playing at this level. Let's be honest. Well, but they're, then they're, but they're here. Then, it, then, then, then somebody should be figuring it out. That's what roster construction is about, and that's why last year they realized there was a desperate need for length and athleticism on the wing, 
And they went okay, out and they well, got length and they had athleticism well, on the wing. Clearly, wings. we didn't get that much athleticism if nobody can go to the basket. Well, they're wings. They're not guards. Now they, they went out, and this year they addressed guards that are going to be able to attack and play off the bounce. So in seven years, we'll have piecemealed this whole thing together to where they yeah, might that have a, about right. <laughs> a roster that's halfway decent. No, I, don't I mean, know. I, I get what you're, I understand what you're saying. Like, yes, that's not what they do, but like, you're up seven on the road with two and a half minutes to go, and your last five possessions are all standstill, just th- threes. You can't do anything else but that. I, I, I'm just like, I, I would agree with you that you would like them to, but I'm also not going to sit here and say, well, why didn't they do something that they have, have proven over and over and over not to be good at doing? If they were good at doing it, then they would play more off the bounce. But instead, this is a team that moves the ball via the pass, finds the open shooter, or the one thing that they've added that would have been able to help in this situation is Dave and Vic have been really good in the pick and roll. And now you take Vic out and they don't have that element of having a guy that you know on the roll you can throw to and he's going to catch it and give you the ability to score just it, it was to me it was a a lack of a lack of adjustments a lack of creativity a lack of just to me it was a glaring spotlight on the flaw the the one fatal flaw of this team on offense that has been a pretty good offensive team but the numbers will tell you this is a that's why i laughed my ass off yesterday early in the game when the idiot color commentator was like I just didn't think Cincinnati was going to shoot this many three-pointers. Well, then you've never watched. And and this team has proven they are last in the conference in free throw percentage. They don't get to the line, and their guards especially don't get to the line. You want to know why they're an average free throw shooting team? Most of the free throws come from Vic and Odie. Right. David Landers. Odie was great. Give the ball to him. (laughs) He had a... Are you laughing because he had a poor game? No, I'm laughing because what what was what were his most of his points? Free Wide throws. open dunks. What and free throws? And free throws. Well, there's there's the answer to my question. There's, so what play? Well, okay, two, two, Wooden, two what man play game. You, throw it. Make you throw some. it to Odie, who has proven he struggles to catch the ball. You're throwing it to Odie under ten seconds, and then we would be sitting here saying. No, what the hell would West draw up to throw Odie the ball not with four on the four seconds play. left in the game? I'm not he can't saying, catch. I'm not saying the last play of the game. I'm talking over a two-and-a-half-minute spin. You had five possessions. You did the same they damn got three thing. three great shots. You, you did the same thing five times in a row. And they got three great shots. And none of them went in, so they weren't okay. that great. But there's no guarantee the twos are going to go in. They're as bad as shooting two-point team as they are a three-point team, especially from the guards. The guards don't shoot twos well. Dave shoots two as well when he gets gets to the, the mid-range. He and, shoots step-back 17-foot jumpers. Yeah. And, and better floaters than his, from Which is from better than a step-back 24-foot jumper. For him, not always. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I know what you're saying. I just know it's insanity to ask people to do things that, that, that they're not. They've proven to you that they're not overly capable of doing. That they're not good at doing. Right. And I'm saying, like, to me, that's not – I'm not going to, like – So if you run a business – I have a higher expectation that 
a coach and his players should be able to figure out a way to do something one time when it's needed most or try to do something one time when it's needed most because other teams around the country have might been. be might be wow. one. Tulane, what did they do? They relied on their ability to get to the, the, the rim by players that are awesome at yeah. getting to the rim and, and shooting over 50% when they do it. And they also made several threes in the second half too. Off and of J- penetration. Jalen Cook didn't score 24 points in, in the second half on layups. Yeah, on kickouts off of penetration. Yeah. So because they're awesome at penetration. So what because over four years, Ron Hunter has developed that about his team. So we built a lead on the road against a good team. Shooting threes. Well, now that's not possible because we only made like 14 of them. Only? Well, they scored 90-something points. So they had to get some points some other way. (laughs) Okay. Well, didn't they? Uh, Nolly Nolly made two shots that weren't a three. Micah made one shot that wasn't a three. Dave made no shots that weren't a three. Uh, Dan made no shots that weren't a three. Uh, Fennessey made no shots that weren't a three. Davenport made no shots that weren't a three. Am I taking crazy pills? Like that's the most unbelievable thing that I've I've talked about all year. Two, three from your perimeter players. What? They made three twos. Yeah. What about the what entire about fucking game, Dave? All of them. All the players. Why are we? Why are we only? Because you're players? in ten seconds. Those guys aren't I'm handling not, the ball. Yeah, I'm not talking about the last possession. Okay, two minutes. Those guys aren't good at handling the ball. They're not good at catching the ball. Well, Tulane has no post presence, so maybe you could have tried, you know. Tried throwing it to somebody that doesn't play with their back to the basket ever. They, That's probably those two guys' two best games of the year. Yes, and then guess what happened? They didn't score after the nine-minute mark in the, in the second half because Tulane stopped blitzing the ball screen. They stopped high-hedging and allowing the roller – to just be standing free under the basket. They changed their coverage. And the thing that they did was taken away. All right, that's fine. I mean, I'm done. I'm just, I'm not going to, I will not just be okay with like, we just shoot threes. That's all we can do. I'm just telling you in clutch situations, you are what your best players are good at. Like that you're, you are what your best players are best at. And that is why you've seen this team, unfortunately, struggle to hold leads late in games because they don't have anybody that can play downhill and get to the free throw line or get to the rim and score. That, that guy's not on the roster at this point. He's uh, not. Well, next year when a freshman is and he goes through his freshman growing pains in a, in a much Thomas better. Thomas is going to be like 21 years old. Well, okay. In a much better conference and we're sitting in the same spot. You if should at least have someone that has the ability to do that. Whether they convert or they're good at it or not, they can turn the corner and get downhill. The guys on this roster, that's not – they have not displayed that ability at any point in their career. All right, that's they fine. have not shown that to be something that they're good at. All of the numbers, so, all of the metrics on the team say that it's not something that they're good at. All right, that's fine. We'll just they, – yeah. I'm just – like. I, I, I don't. If you run, if you own a business, you don't go to your your number one employee and say, 
I'm going to need you to do something at our most critical time that you're terrible at or that you just have shown me over your the course of your career that you don't have the ability to do, but it's crunch time and we have to close this big deal and I'm going to put you in charge of something that's out of your comfort zone that you have displayed time and time again that you can't do. All right. That, that's not how business works. It's not how sports work. The, the, the Bengals, in, in, with two minutes left in a one-score game, aren't giving the ball to Joe Mixon. In fact, they very rarely put Joe Mixon in the game because they're passing, and Joe Mixon can't pass block. Correct. All right. I, I just like I, I get the frustration. I don't know if you do though, because I you do keep explaining it away like that. I'm I'm not. Like, it's there not are reasons. Valid, it's not a valid point that we can't. Whether it's, it's not, a, it's a, not a valid point. What's not valid about what I've said? No, that what I'm saying isn't. It, it's that the frustration is valid. Expecting someone to do something that they're not good at doing or not. I'm sorry. I just have higher expectations of players and coaches that we can't. Well, that's a you problem. That we can't draw up one damn thing to draw a foul or to get a basket that isn't a three at the end of the shot clock. If they can draw it up, they do it it all the time. Then why couldn't they do it in the last two minutes yesterday? Because they're not good at it ever. That's why they don't draw it up all the time. (laughs) All right, man. Well. That's that's rough then. It's it's what happens when you take over a dumpster fire of a roster. I mean, whatever. There is so players now. I'm. It's not an excuse anymore. Okay, then you clearly don't. You have a problem with the excuses and reasons and the, the the very fine line between them. You can't just you can't constantly go back to like this is John Brandon's fault. It, it, it's a roster construction problem. Yes. And Wes is in year one of reconfiguring the roster. Uh, what what was last year? A, a dumpster fucking fire. So where he had he had two guys on the roster when he took the job in April. All right. We give Mick all the all the leeway in the world for year one when he was here, and and how bad that was. It was yeah. almost as he bad. Also, Nick now, also he wasn't, guys to return. Nick also wasn't playing Tulsa and Tulane in East Carolina. Tulane is decent, especially offensively. Okay. Their defense is bad, but their offense is one of the Their defense is so bad that we can't do anything but shoot threes. There's there's another point for my argument. They stink on defense, but we can't get can't do anything but jack 42 threes. Yep. <laughs> so it must not be that bad. It's not a Tulane problem. It's a Cincinnati roster problem. But if their defense is so terrible, shouldn't you be able to do some other shouldn't, things against shouldn't, it? Shouldn't, for 45 minutes, shouldn't those guys have had more than three two-point baskets between your entire, all of your perimeter players? Not if all you do is shoot threes. How are you going to get two-point baskets? Because they're not good at doing it. They took a bunch of them. They missed them. <laughs> they're not good at it. All right. That's all. It's okay to say somebody's not good at something. I know, and it's also okay to not accept the fact that what happened in the last two and a half but, minutes. But who cares what you accept? Who cares what your expectations are if your expectations aren't realistic? 
I think they're realistic, though. That's the thing. of course you do. They're your expectations. Well, I think I speak for a whole <laughs> lot of people with what I'm saying. That's fine. I don't think me saying that maybe they could have figured out a way to get to the line or to get a halfway decent look in the last two minutes is un- an unrealistic yeah, expectation. Wide open. Wide open. You don't like that they were threes, but they executed their offense and got three <laughs> wide open looks in the final two minutes. I don't like that they didn't. It's okay. You don't what? like it, but it did happen, did it not? Yeah, and they didn't go in. And they blew a seven-point lead in two minutes. Yeah, they did. And if they make one of those shots that goes down and out, they win. And if your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle. Yeah, well, we're in year two, and we haven't beaten anybody worth a shit. So, Oh, that, I thought UCF was worth a shit last week, and then they beat them. Now they're not. Oh, I didn't say they were. Okay. Go. You think I you said, said they, they had were... to beat UCF, right? What's that? You said they had to beat UCF because that's had... a decent team. They had to if they wanted to have like a season that I thought was, you know, I didn't say that they had to because it was a, a win of any merit. Okay. But that's why they're struggling to do this because they don't go. When you go watch Xavier, you know why Xavier's winning a bunch of close games? Because Soli Boom can get downhill, get to the free throw line, make plays at the end of the games to win. Cincinnati has to make jump shots for that to happen. Xavier's also one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. They also shoot one of the lowest number of three-pointers in the country because they have two studs on the inside that they throw the ball to that can score with their back to the basket. Right. Cincinnati has one, and he got hurt. Sure. So you got to figure out a way to... Work around that. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about tonight? No, not really. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast. I was was kidding. (laughs) The hell? (laughs) Yeah, just doesn't like it when someone comes back at him. That's no, I don't thing. like it when you when you don't like you don't care what like, you're given the reason why things are happening, and your answer is I don't give a fuck. That's oh, not no, having I, a conversation. I completely get the reason. It's not an acceptable reason to me. Uh, okay, then like we, that's we, we a, should again, be that's so, a you problem. We, no, what what I mean, it's we should be so far beyond the whole like. Well, they just that's all they do. It's not that it's all they do. So I, should just, so I should accept that and root for the team as a fan, knowing full well that just like, hey, we better make a bunch of threes and hope that you're a team. Bengals fan. You rooted for the Bengals for 30 fucking years when they were awful. You because didn't know why, what the flaws were. You didn't know why they were bad. Oh, yeah. There's also not, not the expectation involved. They were a playoff team like five years yeah. in a row. And they still were fatally flawed and couldn't win a playoff game. You understood that, right? Yes. You understood why they were fatally flawed, what areas that they were deficient, and that they just weren't good enough at that point to get over the hump. Right? Sure. Okay. But that doesn't mean that I accepted it and thought that it was 
cool and I, I don't accept like it either. Shrug, I don't it, think shrug it off and be like, eh, you know, it is what I, it I, is. I'm just not ex- expecting a team that has shown. Like, I, I'm a big fan of they are what they show you they are. This team has shown me they're not a team that's a capable. They don't have the guards capable to get in the paint, collapse the defense, and 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 be a really good two point team. They have shown me that over so twenty and, and whatever. So games. I'm being unrealistic to say that understanding all of that, that it's unrealistic to say that in a big moment like that in a game that you have to win, that it's unrealistic and too much to ask, expect, uh, whatever ad you know, whatever adjective verb you want to use to to figure out a way to do something out of your I mean this sounds sure yeah that that sounds great well figure it out Andy Dalton go figure out a way to win a primetime game Andy Dalton go figure out a way to win a playoff game but guess what he wasn't he didn't have the the skill to do it you're up but we would if if you were up at a point in time in a game you use the Bengals as an analogy like the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs yeah figure it out don't fumble the ball but they did. Right. And, and then, you're, and no, more importantly, you're up seven, figure out they, a way to they close proved the they game. They were a bunch of fucking knuckleheads and gave Pittsburgh the, lead, the win. You're up seven, figure out a way to close the game. I agree. But the way that they're going to do that to move the ball and get Landers Nolly two wide open threes that he rimmed out. That's who they are. That's what they do. They did what they're good at doing. They got the guy that they wanted to take those shots those shots, and he missed them. That's sports. It is. I just don't think expecting him, well, why didn't Landers Nolly drive to the rim? When's the last time you remember Landers Nolly in the half court driving to the rim and, and getting a bucket or getting fouled? I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care enough to try to remember. That's what it 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 comes down down to. to. I know. I know. I'm fully aware. What else do you want to talk about? Um, I don't know. Can we talk about how Tulsa was up 10 to 9 and are now losing, uh, let's see. 100 to to (laughs) 9. I'm not joking. I... It was 10. They were up 10 to 9. They're now down 49 to 18. <laughs> so we were joking in the pre-show about that being a, what, a 27 and a half point spread? 28 and a half. <laughs> 28 and a half. And and now, then, now they're down 30. <laughs> they were up 10 to 9 and have been outscored 40 to 8. <laughs> that team. That's, look, we, we joke around about this conference being bad. Very rarely... Do I watch a team even in this league and go, holy fuck, that team is awful? Like I did Tulsa when UC played them. I mean, I said last week, you could have told me the Bengals would win the Super Bowl by 50 if I could name one player or their coach, and I couldn't have done it. <laughs> right. I mean, awful. Awful. So, not surprised that Houston is beating the piss out of them. <laughs> I, not I did, surprised. I did take bit. Tulsa in the points. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a strong. Hey, they're they're right on the line. I mean, they're up. They're down. They're down twenty. They're down. 30. They're down one and a half. They're yeah. down one and a half. I need. I just need it. I need to. Here, here's the thing. Just keep it around thirty. Five minutes to go. Houston pulls. Houston everybody. will put all the white guys in. Tulsa will score some points and and lose by like twenty seven. Oh, that's awesome. Outstanding. <laughs> You you really now the gambling's legal in Ohio. You've really caught AAC fever. You gamble a lot of American games. Yeah, because the I don't think anybody else pays attention to how terrible some of these teams are. Uh, when does spring ball start? I think March. Well, the spring game is April fifteenth. April fifteenth yeah. is a Saturday. I think the first week in March, either the first March. or second week in March. I think it starts March sixth. Okay. For some reason, was, I had the fifth in my brain, but that's a Sunday. Way. Yeah. So then yeah. it would be the sixth. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Not soon enough, says Brian. Yeah. Brian, you don't love like that was a, that was a fun conversation between Dave and I. What's Brian, not to love about basketball season? Brian did point out I forgot about the the win against Illinois in in November of last year. So I, I need to give them credit where credit is due. That was what, 2021? I think, what? <laughs> was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's 2021. Well, no, it was last year, wasn't it? Last season. November of last season. This is 23. Yeah, that's true. November of 22. A year from yeah. that would have been November of 21. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Oh, but yeah, so um, I don't know. Should, should we see if our friend can join us? Uh, yeah, you can, you can give him a call and see should if I, he's he's down. Aaron, you want to pop in for a second while Dave sees if he can find our friend? I, I don't want to have that argument with you. <laughs> Why not? I'm good. You're good? I'm good. Don't want to argue. Oh, you're not you're not in argue mood tonight. No, I'm in a good mood. <laughs> I don't want to get off the podcast in a bad mood. <laughs> See, Dave and I don't like take it personal. We just all argue before back and before forth. I before we do call our friend. I do want to say that if they would have won last night, and Rob and Vic did not get hurt, it would have been my favorite. UC basketball game in a long time because oh. of all of the other things that were going on around the game. I, am, I was so irrationally like annoyed. I'm still shocked of the number of people that think that the television issue was an ESPN problem. Well, it's an ESPN problem because they allow Tulane to be in charge of that. Right, but like all of the tweets being fired off at like at ESPN, I'm just like the issue I had with that is the fact that ESPN still makes money off of that game, and they shouldn't. They they should everyone who has an ESPN Plus subscription that was tuned into that game last night should get a kickback, like what, a, a penny, a dividend of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> like I want a dollar, give me I, a dollar. I, I I loved all of it because like as someone that was watching, but like also had. 
a three-year-old, like, I'm not paying attention. I don't even really have the sound up. I have no idea how terrible the announcers were. I'm laughing at how the TV looks like when you used to have, like, those channels for adult entertainment, and you'd, <laughs> you'd be <laughs> hanging out with your buddies. last night. I was like, I had no problem watching that game. I, I, I was, I was built for this. Oh yeah, that was back my whole in, childhood. Back in the day, you're like, I think that's a boob. You know, right. it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like your childhood. I, just to I feel like those channels got better reception than I got last night on ESPN Plus. Yeah, it's like ESPN has is running hundreds and hundreds of of games, whether it's hockey, college basketball, like a not, I wouldn't say hundreds a night, but like. A lot of night, and we just happened to get an NKU game that was a disaster, and this two-lane game, which basically just means like, you know, when you broadcast in a high school gym with dial-up internet, sometimes things are going to happen. Yeah. Keenan Singleton. The sideline reporter was catching, you know, catching strays. Like she was awful. (laughs) I was just like, God, I really wish that they won so I could just. Like this whole ordeal Here's the thing, Dave. was so much fun for me to just sit there and laugh at. Here's the thing. I'm obviously like my temper is very short right now because I've spent six weeks in a hospital. And I just I'm I, I I'm triggered very easily at this point in time because my life has been turned upside down and I'm just irritable pretty much from the time I wake up every day. And I, I rushed home. I spent a little less time with Kelly so I could get here to get situated and, and get dinner taken care of and all that good stuff. And then I sit down to that. Right. And I, like instantly I was just like triggered. They could have won and I would have been pissy last it's night. It's totally unacceptable. Like to not even like be able, it's basically an IP address issue. Like you literally can't like plug in a damn, you know, thing into an outlet. Like, they do this in, like I said, in how many stadiums, arenas? Well, whatever. we have somebody. We have somebody that's like that works in that field and has been in it for twenty five years on the site. And he said the problem is was was almost specifically a dirty line, which involves either cleaning the connection, unplugging the connection during a commercial break, <laughs> like blowing it, blowing in the Nintendo, yeah. in the Nintendo game. Or changing the line. Like, okay, this is our problem. The connection to the upload right, like isn't this. good. We need to change the cable. And they were un- they were incapable of doing that. <laughs> uh, well, at least, you know. Oh, God, Tennessee. God, you guys are just a piece of work. I think we need 513 shirts to, to, to make a scrambled shirt. That says, I think that's a boob. I mean, I probably, as long as I got some, some royalties from it, I mean, <laughs> that's my name. That's my name, image, and likeness. <laughs> we need to get Dave an NIL shirt on. I think that's a boob and have it all pixelated so you can, it's hard to read what it says. <laughs> Mike, if you're listening, let's make that happen. <laughs> oh my God. But no, like Dave, the, the color guy. At the end, had a waver in his voice, like he was tearing up. Because of what? Tulane was winning. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I I stopped watching it towards the uh, 
towards the very end. So like, I think when, when the technicals were being discussed, I was like, whatever, I'm going to go do, I got to go do something to get ready for, you know, better, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I have no idea what they were talking about. I have no, like, I was just, I was living it through Twitter, which was just amazing because everyone was just fucking irate. And then like, especially in overtime, like everyone is just so mad. And then they bang two threes in a row to tie the game. And, and everybody's happy. happy again. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I love the in-game, you know, and it's not just, you. I mean, it's sports in general, but I just love the in-game tweeting. Like yeah. just the snap reaction of, you know, there's five minutes of the game has gone on and it's like, you know, whether it's, this is the greatest game ever. Or like, Oh my God, I can't believe we're going to lose. Like, we're just going to blow this, you know? And it's like, or you could just yeah. like watch the watch damn the game, game. And, and see what happens. I, I just, I, I became early, very early in that game annoyed with like, like I said, the color guy I, at one point early in the game was like, I, I just, I can't believe Cincinnati shot this many threes. <laughs> you didn't spend two minutes researching Cincinnati. They I lead the conference in percentage of scoring from three-point range. I you didn't think out they the were going to shoot a bunch of threes? But this def- early in the game, I was like, this definitely feels like a over-30 attempts game. And obviously, it went way over that with overtime and everything. But, like, yeah, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> I think they shot 28 or 26 or 28 in the first game. <sighs> Anyhow. So, a couple things. Well, actually, just one. I I know there was a lot of talk about like the guy throwing the ball up in the stands or whatever, and they're not being. That should have been a technical. Of course, it should have. But like, but it's Doug shows. That's just bad officiating, which is nothing new. Like, right? College basketball is every sport basically. The crazy thing is, he did he whizzed it right past the official's head. (laughs) Doug shows was standing on that baseline. He looked right at him and whizzed the ball right over his head into the eighth row, which almost hit the top of the building. Yes. And then what what happened to get Dave so like to get basically two T's? Like he I didn't, didn't get so, two T's. Well he just got what he got an F a flagrant two and which F2 is an injection or whatever. Yeah. Like I didn't see any of the any of the, I don't know if they showed replays. I don't know if you could there see was, there was replays a tie up. It. There was a tie up. Jalen Cook said something to Dave. I'm guessing. I'm guessing because I've seen this happen before that he called him a bitch because I've seen what happens when somebody calls Dave a bitch and it's his trigger. It was also Yancey Gates trigger. Like I've known guys that that's like, that's one thing that that's, that's, that's the word. Safe word, stay in the bedroom. Yeah. And that's his, that's his trigger. And so I'm guessing that when they were fighting for that loose ball, and Jalen Cook started to get up. He called him a bitch, and, and Dave took umbrage to that. The funny thing is, Dave didn't actually do anything other than just, like, get in his face. Like, so he didn't he, push him. So he didn't did shove him. F2 for? Just for, for standing up and getting in his face. Well, you have to, like, make physical contact to, for that he, to be he, a he, foul? He bumped into him. So I'm guessing that's what they called the F2. Instigating a fight or yeah, something yeah, like that? Escalating the situation. Right. Um, and then they calm everything down and they tell Dave it was an F2, you've been ejected. And as he's walking past Jalen Clark, or, yeah, whatever the fuck the guy's name is. 
Jalen Clark, I think. Cook. I think he said it to him again. And that got him that got him a technical. That's why UC went to the line, shot two free throws, and got the ball, cut it from seven to five, and then had a chance that they can make a shot there to get it back to two and make it interesting. Um, I'm guessing he said it again because Dave, as he was being escorted out, like it took it took Abdullah do pretty much like it was it was a chore to to get Dave to the back. <laughs> I love it. Just such a cluster all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I said rough, if they'd won and the guys night. didn't get hurt, it would have been like my favorite game, one of my favorite games ever. I mean, I was ready to like, I was ready to call it like maybe the most gutty performance in a, a recent memory. It would have been because a, like the whole second half, Tulane would make a run and they would match answer, it. And then, yeah. and then at the very end, you know, you're up. Like we spent, you know, Tulane made minutes. the last run, right? Yep. But, but yeah, it was uh, it was <laughs> it was it was quite a a production all the way around. It was something. It was something. The color, the play by play guy was actually decent. The play by play that like that's another thing that frustrated me is you've got this play by play guy that was prepared. That was actually pretty good, and like was fair and and had good points about UC. Obviously, it was a little. They're at, they're at Tulane. ESPN Plus announcers like are well, generally the same be, thing. If we have Kevin, yeah. John, Kevin Johnson on the call and the right, guy that right. you know, right. Um, but the the play by play guy I thought was actually decent. His color guy just it 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 was it was nails on a chalkboard to me the entire game. And it started early because it was just obvious he didn't like you're making a decent amount of money to do one of those games. He didn't even look. He didn't even bother to like, <laughs> like he looked at when he sat down to call the game. He's like, uh, okay, to Julius Nolly Lockin. Like, that's what I like, you know, but he didn't know anything about him. He didn't know anything about like how they were good, why they were good, what the team had done. He didn't know anything. So even when UC was up, you know, 13 in the first half, I was fucking annoyed with that like he just he got i should have <laughs> i should have just switched it to terry and dan i should have well, but just, i didn't well you probably couldn't have heard them either they probably would have sounded like they were calling the game in a submarine like at nku well they said they were dealing with dial-up like they said that was an issue too dial-up i didn't know that that was still a thing oh yeah i guess it is it in the two lane i don't know <laughs> Oh well, I, hey, yeah. but I'm going to the game on Saturday. Nice. It'll be first my one this season. Uh, first one in since before COVID. I think so. Wow. It's in its nineties day, so I'm pumped. I know. I missed. I missed nineties at night for that nine rock, o'clock. Rocking out yeah. some tunes, baby. I know. I'm pretty. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. So I, th- I think we're in two fifteen. So if you're around two fifteen. Yeah, I, I is it going to be you and Will or oh, the whole crew? Me, Will, Rachel, my dad sitting up with us, and then obviously the big shots sit down in in their fancy seats. <laughs> yeah, wave up to us common folk. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like let me uh, let me, let me see if uh, if our friend Dan's available. All right, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> what are you shaking your head about? What a night. 
this is what like this is, this is what this is supposed to be like podcasting. This is fun. Just, you go back and forth, you have some fun with it, and then and then you it's like it's like it never even happened. Well, you just have way, some fun. It's a way to follow up JC. <laughs> Me and Dave yelling at each other for 15 minutes. I mean Aaron still don't want the smoke. Nope. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh, nope. That wasn't him. That was his that I think that was his cousin. We're, we're we're dealing with some technical difficulties right now with our uh there we go. There we go. All right, let's bring him in. Conference realignment expert Dan Simon. It's been a while. How are we? We're good. How are you? You know, I've 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 been good. Got some some sun lately. You know, seen What's your some handicap. Seen some we don't talk about that. <laughs> So, uh, Pac-12 hanging out in Dallas today, huh? That's that's the word on the streets. That's the word on these realignment streets is that uh, Mr. K has made his way down to the Big D and uh, might be trying to talk to them, talk to them ponies. <laughs> Lambig, that's that's the best guy. Like, you win comment of the month. Pickle needs her own hat and glasses. Oh. Alias relish. Yeah. <laughs> you got. You got a. You got a better chance of uh, SMU joining the Big Twelve than getting uh, some hat and glasses on Miss Pickle. Well, did you see like some some Pac-12 folks tried to float that as well that that the Big Twelve is has interest in SMU also? No, they don't. <laughs> well, I mean. If they had interest in them, couldn't they have added them? Sure. This point? Sure, it would have already been done, right? You would think. Dan Simon, Dan Simon seems like a guy who's always shaking dice and flicking lighters. Well, I was just in Vegas. <laughs> What's a Dan Simon trip to Vegas look like? You're not old enough to know. <laughs> that's that's adult. That's an adults only trip. <laughs> I'm older than everyone here, but Brian Johnson. You don't know that. You don't know that uh, for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Brian's the only guy here older than me. Well, you know, our friend Brett McMurphy, he's yeah. kind of he's kind of started this whole thing off again. He sent in a tweet. I'm just I'm just gonna read it verbatim. Pac-12 Commissioner George K. Visiting Southern Methodist University Wednesday today. San Diego State and SMU are top Pac-12 expansion candidates. Pac-12 needs more members and more inventory for new media rights deal, which is expected to rely heavily on digital streaming services. That is one of the funniest tweets I have ever read. There are four, at least four things individually in that tweet that make me laugh out loud. Well, one, that George Klivkoff is visiting Dallas to talk to SMU. Who, there are high schools in the greater Dallas Metroplex area that generate more buzz than SMU. 
And of course, our friends, the Johns, put out a podcast today talking about, you know, well, you'd, you'd get that $2.6 million, you know, all those TVs. Like, like you think that they're going to turn the TV on to watch SMU Oregon State. It's like, it's like New York watching Rutgers, right? It, it is very similar. It's, it's very funny how, you know, and I think that the longer this goes on, the more people have kind of pushed away from what they had said maybe four or five months ago and are, real, are starting to realize that the Pac-12 doesn't really have any damn clue what they're doing. They're going streaming only, Dave. Well, like, that's one of the funny Dan, parts. Dan, which, sorry, Dan. Which is expected to rely heavily on digital streaming services. So that heavily, hev- heavily. What I mean, what what percentage out of a hundred would you put heavily at? Ninety. I don't know if I go that far, but let's just say like 65, 70. Okay. So you're going to put seventy percent of your tier one, all your tier ones going on there. Mm-hmm. So your best games, your your Oregon Washington, your Apple Cup. Or that's that's Washington Washington State, but your Oregon Washington game is going to go on streaming. That's the plan, apparently. Yes. If if you're saying heavily streaming, okay, you're going to go down that road. You're going to be the kind of the first ones in. Okay, that's interesting. Then we talked. We've been told for how long that media rights deal will happen, then possible expansion. Well, that's clearly not the case. Because why would you be visiting these Right, schools? they've made it. It's become very clear that they need more inventory right. to get a deal. It's an inventory issue. Ten schools, Amazon is not going to pay what they want them to pay for 70 football games or 75 football games. And so if, if – but if the Tier 1 is going to be on Amazon, why would ESPN give them any money? We, we, we get your scraps like we, we need that we need that 10 o'clock East Coast game that bad here's my question if you're Oregon and Washington how pissed are you that the t- the, the, the lower tier game is going to go on ESPN in that in that potential scenario right and you're going to be on Amazon with with pickle and 42 other of her closest friends watching. Sure. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things here that just are, are just so ridiculous. Like the fact that the PAC 12 could have killed the big 12 three years ago, but they were too good for Texas tech and Oklahoma state. And now they're thinking about adding San Diego state and and SMU. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, what I've been, I think the conference basketball tournaments are hold a key date in all of this. If they don't announce something from what I've heard, if they don't announce something prior to that, or, you know, in, in right around that time, if we go past the conference basketball tournaments and and George goes to Vegas and does all that and doesn't have a, a media rights deal to talk about, like 
I think you start to see some serious red flags thrown up of like what's what's truly going on here. And it's it's real bad. It's starting to feel real bad for them. So at what point in all this do the four corners do Oregon and Washington? Do these schools start looking at each other and going, we better get the fuck out of here? I mean, Arizona has to already be because like Yes, football drives the bus, but they are very much a basketball school. And when you remove UCLA and USC to a lesser extent out, that is one of the worst basketball conferences. Like, it's not even, it's nowhere near a top eight basketball conference. Right. That's AAC level. And I would, I would say it's maybe even below that. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you just have so many things going on there that, that I think it's overlooked from even from the standpoint of like you have Stanford and Cal that their presidents and chancellors and boards don't even care about sports. Yeah. Or or that don't care about them in the way that you kind of need to if you want to be competitive. Um, so you have that tier kind of over here. You have Oregon and Washington that really, really, really care. But so then, like, they're just going to be cool with this. Like, they're, there's so much going on there that it just it seems like a mess. And I don't know how you get, like, if you, if they want to get the money, they're going to give up the exposure. There's no doubt about it in my mind. That if they want to be on par with what the Big 12 and the ACC are getting, Amazon will probably give it to them, but they're going to demand so much of the content go on Amazon. Yeah, if you're paying for the, the larger, the the largest chunk, the largest piece of the pie, you want everything, or as much as everything as you can get. Right, and like you said earlier, like so, then what is ESPN's incentive then if 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 you're giving us like what we said like basically the scraps why why would we pay for that or here's what we'll pay you for it because here's what the valuation is on it you know um yeah i've seen rep possible revenue sharing with the new schools um like split revenues not revenue sharing but sure. you know right. an uneven revenue distribution um i just you know you just and, and, you know, it, it works both ways. Like, you hear about, oh, well, now the Big 12 can get into the Ohio market. And, and that's true, but I don't think that's as big of a deal. Because, like, how much time are those Big 12 schools really going to do recruiting in Ohio? I mean, Iowa State tried it for, well, no, like, but two I, years. Right, but I mean, like, the Texas isn't – the Texas. No, but State. I'm saying, like, Iowa State tried it for two years. And they were like, this ain't – this we're getting you know, kids in the 30s. Right. So, like, so you it, think like the the all the schools in California and the Pacific Northwest are just going to like jump down to Dallas when Dallas is already has a million schools recruiting it? Like they're going to come down there because the entire SEC now, the entire Big can, Twelve, because you can maybe play one home game in Dallas while you're in school. Like there's there wouldn't even be a guarantee that you would play in Dallas, right? Like at all in your entire career, you could be there five years, 
and not play a game in Dallas. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I. It's funny to me, the whole yeah. thing. Like I don't care. Like it is what it is, you know. But there's so much about it that that I'm sure the Big Twelve is is laughing at, and I hope that the Big Twelve doesn't, you know, doesn't look at it as like, well, let's go grab. Especially like I don't want San Diego State. I don't. No. I don't know what that does. It. I mean, like you. You have West Virginia and San Diego State. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. I mean, you just uh, cross country. You know, you have two two outliers. Then so you have Orlando to San Diego. No, no. I think the Big Twelve is good where it's at. I think. George K has his work cut out for him, and I think the next month will be very interesting because if if we I mean we've been hearing for how long that the Pac-12 deal is imminent, you know. It, but then then it became well. Then there's no hurry because they're the la- they're the last one in the market, so they don't really need to hurry up. Then it was the Big 12's fault that the the floor they you know that they committed to this price so then there's no like that's kind of they're going to be the floor on the or the ceiling on the pac 12 deal and every every month there's like a new excuse on why this thing hasn't happened and i think most people are finally coming to the conclusion that maybe there's just without ucla and usc that there's there's just not the value that they think they deserve um or that someone's willing to pay without being that first first college league to really jump into streaming. Yeah, and but yes. that's the thing for me, Dan. Dan, that's the thing for me. They're not doing it to be innovative. They're doing it because they don't have any other cards to play. Right. This is not like we're smarter than everybody else. I'm sure they're going to sell it as we're smarter than everybody else. But... It, it is, we are desperate. Right. We don't have any you, other cards you can't, to play. You can't compare it to Thursday night football because the NFL is its own beast. I mean, college games never come close to getting the same number as an NFL game. It's a standalone game on a Thursday night. You're talking about putting your conference games on a Saturday in October on Amazon, like outside of your fan bases, I'm using this figure. Nobody cares. No one is going to watch. And here's the other thing. Nobody in the Pac-12, if they're not the teams playing, is going to care. Because they don't have a, a genuine, like, that's the one thing that's fascinating to me is we've kind of, like, gotten a view a glimpse of like the 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 hateful eight as they've been called uh the leftovers in the big 12 those teams all care they consume each other's content i have been fascinated with how intelligent big 12 fans are about the other schools oh yeah like they are invested you think somebody at cal of a cal fan is going to watch an Arizona State San Diego State game on Amazon at at seven o'clock or you know four o'clock in the in the 
Pacific time zone? Hell no. I mean, I don't watch. I watch more college football than anybody I know. I do not turn ESPN Plus on unless I have to watch a UC game. I will watch whatever's on ESPN, ESPN Plus, Fox, or ESPN, ESPN Two, Fox, ESPN U, FS One, CBS ABC, Sports, CBS. Yeah, I will. I will pick one of those over any. Like I will. I do not turn ESPN Plus on unless it's UC related, and I watch yeah. more college football than like anybody I know. So and ESPN think, Plus has a lot of decent games just because of the way that things have been set up now. Right. So you so you think that a, a group of fans who aren't as diehard into college football as Big 12, SEC, Big 10, ACC, that they're just going to like, oh, yeah, I know my team already played, but I'm going to keep this on because I'm going to watch – Oregon State, Arizona State, instead of... Well, that's the other thing, Dave. That's not how it works. You don't keep it on. Right, you have to go to that other game. Right, right, right. But that's what I'm getting at, kind of, to what you just said. Like, you'll leave ESPN on. Like, if you don't have a rooting interest in in a back-to-back window or, like, Tennessee's not playing, UC's not playing, like, you'll just leave ESPN on or you'll, you'll go... And you'll you'll watch if there's great games on ABC that day. You'll go watch ABC and leave ABC on for the next game. Like nobody is is watching their team and then going, oh, I, I guess I, I need to go find this other Pac-12. Uh, you know, I, I got to go find Colorado, uh, Arizona as a as a Stanford fan. Yeah, I just I just think we're still a ways away from like if everything was streaming, if everybody had YouTube TV, if everybody if all of your stuff could be on Amazon Prime, that's one thing. But like you know, you don't have you can still consume so much college sports without streaming right now that um I just I don't see it working for them. I think you're going to have – I think it's going to hurt recruiting. I think it's going to hurt – Yeah. I mean, what what is the incentive of ESPN and Fox to talk about any Pac-12 team or game? None. None. Nothing. Zero. Uh, Dan, this is Jeff. He hosts oh, – hi, uh, hi, Jeff. He hosts a couple shows here in the network. He says, uh, since it's notoriously difficult to get you scheduled, sometime this fall – We'll need you on season two of the Bearcat Brunch. I've heard about this Bearcat Brunch. Doesn't it start pretty early? It's it's a fairly early show. It starts at at nine o'clock on the on Sundays, nine a.m. Eastern. That, I mean, that I got to be honest, guys. That's you're usually a West Coast. Like that's you're, a little, you're. That's a little early for Dan. Even when you're on the East Coast, that's asking a lot for you. It, it is. I mean, you know. We could, conference realignment is a late man's game, get, right? Get, yeah, the deals aren't done. You know, they're not done over over brunch, gentlemen. They're done, you know, over some uh, moons over my hammy at the Denny's in, on the Strip in Vegas. <laughs> like you know, when you're when you're leaving Club XO after you just saw DJ Tiesto with with your best buds, uh, you know. 
That's when the that's when the deals get done. You don't even do early tea times, do you? Oh God, no! What? Why would I get up early to play golf? <laughs> you, you get like a, a noon tea time, some cocktails after drinks, and then out out to the you know out with the boys. You're like a Miami Vegas, sometimes L.A. If you've got a slum it type guy. Vegas, my Miami's yeah, eh, it's not really my speed. Vegas is my speed. Million dollar contracts aren't signed over French toast sticks and mimosas. No, they are not, <laughs> Natalie. No, they are not. <laughs> no truer words have ever been spoken. They're, they're, they're signed over, you know, twenty ounce bone in ribeyes and four hundred dollar <laughs> bottles of Camus. <laughs> All right, Dan, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you, you've got nightlife to uh, experience and live. Yes, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a wild Wednesday here at, at Simon headquarters. Has uh, Do you know if, if your guy, Dave Simone, did he did he crash? Is he out? I know he's got to probably get up early in the morning. No, Is he no. coming back I, to us? I think, I, think he's, uh, I think he's coming back. Let me, let me see okay. if he's available. All right, well, thank you for, for popping in. Hey, We've thanks. missed you. Thank you guys. Hopefully, you know, hey, I'll when the news hits, I'll be here. So there the was the last some... time I, I think the last time we spoke, you were at, at the retreat and on the yacht, and then you came back and boom, that Monday, all hell broke loose. I mean, it's not by accident, Chad. <laughs> good, good night, good night, everyone. Have a lovely Jeff evening. says special edition late night bearcat brunch at the Waffle House in Lubbock. Now, now, Dan. Dan actually had Waffle House for dinner tonight. Uh, <laughs> Case base says Dan's cat looks a lot like Pickle. That's that's relish. That's relish. That's Dan, that's Dan's cat's. That's Dan's cat relish. That's right. That is not yeah. Dave's cat Pickle or cucumber. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what Dan's cat's name is. Relish or, or cucumber. Maybe we'll ask Dave when he comes back. Oh, pickle, pickle! Uh, you got your your bottom third there. There's a problem, Dave. There we go. There we go. Uh, it was. Is do you know Dan's cat? Is that relish or is it cucumber? Uh, well, I think it's jalapeno. <laughs> jalapeno. <laughs> Dan's a little. Dan's a little more spicy than Dave. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think it's, when, I mean, when you have a wife and a kid, you have pickle. That's right. When when you're jet setting and and doing conference realignment deals, you have jalapeno. When when you're a, a man of the a night steak. like like Dan is. <laughs> what a guy, though. I mean, what a guy. What a guy. What a guy. Can we have Dave climb into the gizmo machine the way Steve Urkel turned into Stefan? I don't know what you're talking about, Natalie. I'm not familiar with that either. No, I'm familiar it's, with that. I just Stefan, Stefan, Ur, yeah, Urkel. I'm just not familiar with why Dave would do that. You're on mute, sir. Now I can't hear you, and you're not on mute. I know. I hit the. Yeah. Sometimes I'll hit the connection on the microphone like it's in the back and I'll bump it with my thumb and it screws everything up. But Natalie, I, like I, it's a great reference, but I just don't like I don't know how it fits in this situation. And I have no idea what it refers to. Yeah. 
You got anything else, brother? I don't. Well, hey, should we should we do a live looking on on Tulsa Houston? Yeah, this ain't going well for you. I checked the score. A few no, ago. it's not eighty to forty two. Yeah, it was forty last time I checked. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that. And it's is it over? Uh yeah. Yeah. I mean, my app says nineteen seconds left, which is usually behind. Mine says final eighty to forty two. Which I was really hoping to be able to send out like a a eyes emoji tweet last night because I was following the game on the FanDuel app. Yeah, which is the I don't know how they do it. But the, the betting apps are faster than the even the regular TV, not just ESPN Plus. Yeah, they're probably on par. Like they're probably tuned dialed into Stat Broadcast, which right. is live. So I was hoping to be like, you know, send out like a see well, that, see that we hit a three, and then send out a tweet before before everybody else saw that it happened. So you understand that is also a large part of my frustration <laughs> with ESPN Plus is that I have stat, stat broadcast up. Yes. And in the first half last night, Dave, there was roughly almost a four-minute differential between stat broadcast and the live feed. Four minutes? No way. It was almost four minutes. It was almost four minutes. Like, real time, like, what I'm watching, there was a point that... What I was watching, there had been like a an 8-0 run and a media timeout before the TV caught up with like where the stat broadcast was when I looked at it. That's that's it got better for what like they fixed something at halftime where it got back to like a minute, which is about about 30, 30, 45 seconds is about what you expect in that delay from doing it year after oh, year yeah. on road games. It was it was at least three minutes, almost four minutes to the point, Dave. You had to pause the ESPN feed to sync up with the iHeart feed, which is <laughs> never the case, right? Like usually you're pausing the iHeart feed or pausing the TV feed to like let it let the iHeart feed catch up. It was the other way around. The iHeart feed was like two minutes, a full two minutes ahead. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I was livid. Livid. Oh, well. All right, well, that was an awesome show. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, see, that's what, like, you know, you and I like to do that. Like, to go back and forth. And, like, there's nothing personal. Like, we don't. Of course not. No, why, but why? people think that like because you're arguing that like you know that like you hate each other or like that that what I said was like all right we're gonna end the podcast like that that was real and I was not gonna talk to Dan Simon tonight. No, like we have fun. <laughs> that's that's Dave and I having fun. No, never, never. Per- we didn't say anything personal for me to right. be a, a mad about. <laughs> like. You you know I don't know I, don't I know. hate when mom and dad fight. No, this is I, this is I how guess I just don't like. Yeah, I mean <laughs> you you've got to say some some very specific things for me to like. <laughs> legit... You got it. You got like you got to say your trigger word. <laughs> I don't know what it is, so I don't know if I've ever said it or not. 
No. It must be a busy night in Boston for Basevich not to be on to analyze some injuries. <laughs> we probably should have had Blake on to analyze injuries tonight. You're right. You're right. No, I mean, I think the gist of it is like, I totally get what you're saying. But I, and I also think that it's cool if you're frustrated that. Yeah, it's fine. That those, I get it. That those things are there and they're, that they weren't able to. <clears throat> to to work around that in a, in a game that you know we all felt was a pretty important game and and in you're in a, had in, and you're in a spot in to, yeah. to to pull it out like it'd be one thing if like when Vic went out all shit hit the fan and it was just a a mess from that that point on but it wasn't like you, no, you they hit a bunch of threes and stayed in it you acquitted yourself <laughs> and you had a chance to win. That's where I think the frustration comes from. No, and I get that completely. I get it completely. That I think that's like what frustrates fans more than anything is that it almost all, like Ohio State was and, and now that one, that one looks this real bad. This, this has no, you just brought this up and we don't we were all two hours already and it has nothing to do with yeah. but what in the Sam Hell is going on in Columbus. I have no idea. Like, that should be a pretty talented team. Like, they've they lost, like, 11 of 12 games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Falling off a cliff. I mean, is Holtman going to get fired? Maybe. Maybe. I can't say one, like, for sure one way or the other, but maybe. Or maybe he starts, like, maybe he throws out that lifeline of, like, does anybody want me to be their coach? Do you want him to be your coach after what's happened in the last? Yeah, I still think he's a great coach. I'm sure I, I say that somewhat jokingly, but like. I know. I you know, know what you're saying. Like, you can have a good beginning of the year and then not have a great rest of the year. Like, that's not out of the ordinary, but like. Losing 11 to 12? For them to just have that many losses in a row is just unbelievable. But, uh, but yeah. we now have uh, Chris, the friend of the program, Chris Vanini, uh, has eyes on George Klyakov at the SMU basketball game no. with other Pac 12 officials. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, we're there's a game on Wednesday again next week, Dave. So we'll probably be back on Thursday night. I will uh I will set my schedule accordingly. All right. That's gonna wrap it up. He's Dave Simone. Special thanks to John Cunningham. That felt like it was a week ago. Special thanks to John Cunningham <laughs> and Dan Simon. What a show. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.